Welcome to the Sisters Community Church Podcast. Well, it's New Year's, and today, Pastor Steve Stratus has a special New Year's sermon where he talks about remembering what God has done, and we can look forward to the hope that we have. So let's listen. I want us to turn first to um, the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, it's, as I said, it's Moses' call to the people to look back, and we'll make some application in our own lives. Because you know that they've wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. They've complained about the music. No, they, they, uh, <laughs> they've, they've complained about not having food to eat, or they've complained about water being better, better to drink. They, they've complained to Moses about... Le- they've just had a rough time of it. And they've wandered and wandered and wandered. And one of the things they've learned is that they can't live in the wilderness, But the other thing they learned is that they can't live without God in the wilderness. And I think that's very true for each and every one of us is we can't live in this world without God. We find it being in a difficult time like no other time before. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And this is what Moses says to them. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. All the way back to Abraham. Remember, and I want you to just think about that word remember, because literally the Hebrew word means to mark. It's almost um, that Ebenezer uh, that was just being told, Eric that was just talking about, to remember, to make a mark, to Put a mark in the sand. So he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. So as we look back on on these words in this passage, he's telling us, Moses is telling them, but I think God's telling us through the scripture, there are some things we need to remember about this last year. Maybe about the last two years, three years, five years, whatever that might be. Because in the remembrance of those years, I think it's a little bit of what Paul says to Timothy when he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, fan the flame that is in you. In other words, as you begin to think about the things that God has done, may they warm your heart. May they be a part of the energy and the vision and the dream and the adventure of what it means to move forward. And so what God is saying to them, and so I think G. Campbell Morgan says something. He says, so we are to remember back far enough and by so doing begin to realize that the fact the fact that all the details of life are related in the purpose of economy of God to that first deliverance by which he brought us to himself by putting away our sins. This is God's beginning. 
So we're remembered a past in our relationship to God. And what he was saying to them over and over again, and it was said all throughout the Psalms, is that they were to remember the deliverance that God brought them out of slavery, out of the exile, out of the place of hardship in Egypt. And so I think that's one thing that we need to remember. Do you remember your deliverance? Do you remember the moment when you came to the realization that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and through his grace and in his forgiveness, you were given the spirit and you have a new life, a new beginning. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, things, all things have become new. There's often a time in our hearts, and I pray it's true for all of us, that we remember our deliverance, that we remember even as we've sung the song a, a hundred times, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was, was lost and now I'm found. Once was blind and now I see. It would be a sad day if we pass over that day where we become new creatures. And Moses wants to remind them of what God had done Through all those years of slavery, through all those years of hardship, through all those years, it was a reference point for the Israelites throughout their history that God had delivered them from Egypt. So we need to remember the past in relationship to what God has done in our life. But we also need to remember not just what God has done in terms of deliverance, but what God has done here in terms of his leading He says to him in this first verse, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today and remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. God led them. He led them with the cloud by day, remember, and a a pillar by night. He went before them and stopped where they were to set up their tents. He led them by providing them with food, manna from heaven when they complained about having nothing to eat. He, he led them by throwing and instructing them to throw the tree into the water and turn that which was bitter into that which was sweet. God led them. They didn't have to wander on their own. God led them. And I pray that as we come to the understanding of God's word and the fact that God gives us his spirit and Paul would say to the Galatians, make sure you're being led by the Spirit, that God wants to lead us. And God has given us the word and that more sure word of prophecy to lead us. So as we've looked back, I pray that we are grateful for God's leading in our merger, God's leading in our growth, for God's leading in the light that he's given us, God's leading as we've touched lives and and done things we've never done before, whether they're concerts or movie theaters or whatever they might be. I pray that we never lose the fact or never lose the memory of God's leading in our lives. I know that God led me here Think about where God has led you. Think of how God has delivered you. Think of what God has provided for you. He even goes on here, we just read it, that God gave them shoes that didn't wear out. So we need to have an understanding of our past. How did we get here today? Where would you be without deliverance? I shudder to think about where I would be If God, and I didn't find him, he found me, where I would be without it. 
And so as we think about this new year, it would be amiss. We would be remiss to, to simply move on in the happiness of the new year without the memory of what God has done in our lives. Because the certainty of what he's done comforts us with the uncertainty about what is ahead. And so he continues to tell us that, that God leads. But God, that just leads, but as I said, he provides us with these resources. But the beauty of it is, why? Why does he do that? And look what he says in verse 2 and verse 3. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years to humble you and to test you so that you would know what is in your heart. As we've had this transition over this last year, have you been humbled? Have you been tried? Have you discovered things in your heart you wish weren't there? Like those little rugrats running underneath you when you're like still not using a cane and they want to, or how many things have happened where you caught your attitude? I know I have. Can somebody get those people to finally sit down so we can start? Or, or whatever. We've all had those moments. Believe me, I know, I get those emails. And God is doing what? Moses says to people, because God wanted to test you. He wanted to humble you. He wanted you to discover what's in your heart, that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it is that humility that is grown in us becomes soil for God's grace to change our lives and produce fruit so that we become more like Jesus. The past is important because we discover these things about God. We discover these things about what God does in our lives. We discover things about what's in our heart. And I pray that we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to discover that God has not given up. See that phone? It's to humble you. <laughs> and so we find ourselves in this, in this world where we're continually being challenged because God, I know we've said at times, God, with friends like you who needs enemies, but God is constantly working in our life because for love's sake and grace like, grace's sake, he wants to make us like Jesus. But we can't live in the wilderness. Which helps us to understand we can't live without God in the wilderness. That every step along the way, this path that we have taken is so that you and I can become not bitter, but better loving, living, and being the people of God. Have we learned that? Has the past taught us that? And I can assure you, there's still a whole lot more learning in the future. Because the Bible says, until Jesus comes back, we will not be like him, but when he returns, we shall be just like him, and we will see him truly for who he is. And so the beauty of this, all of these things that go on, and think about some of the hardships. G. Campbell Morgan says this, he says, man's extremity is man's opportunities for finding himself and finding his God and so finding life. I charge you, remember, 
And if you do so solemnly, you will come, I am perfectly sure, to agreement with me when I say that the richest hours of the past were the hours of extremity and the hours of darkness, the hours when we were at the end of ourselves, hours when we discovered something in us that appalled us, as these are the hours when God came into visibility. No bread, but it rained from heaven. No water, but out of the flinty rock it gushed. No way in the dreary wilderness, but he chose the places where we pitched our tents. That's what Moses was trying to get them to realize. Remember your deliverance. Remember the leading. Remember the um, providence of God in your life and what he provided. Because in the remembrance of those things, we're encouraged. We see the faithfulness of God. So when you look back over this last year, find those places and fan your heart heart into flame because often those things are the things that bring encouragement to our souls when we're discouraged those are the things that sometimes are the mark that prevents us from quitting when life gets difficult we've all had that pain some of you have had really a rocky road in your marriage some of you have lost a loved one that was so near and dear to your heart that you thought you would not make it some of you have had some financial crisis in a year where maybe people have retired and they've looked at their 401k and they went oops it's been difficult But our God is a God who will never leave us nor forsake us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who wants us to remember his providence in our lives. The sad part about the Israelites is they forgot. See, the memory is a very powerful tool. And when we use it for the glory of God, the certainty of what God has done in the past enables us to deal with the uncertainty of where we're going in the future. And while we might not know what is ahead of us, we know the God that goes with us. And we can celebrate that every day of our life because he is present. I know some of the pain of the past, as so do you. But man, I'm excited about the future because I know one thing, he is coming. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know any of that, but I know he is coming. And I know because of what he's done in my life, which is just a taste, the fullness of it is going to be incredible. And faith becomes rational, yes, but it becomes personal as I begin to think about the steps that I want to take to discover more of who he is because of what has happened in the past that's so rich and so good and so true and so beautiful despite all the shortcomings. Even in those shortcomings, I've come to find God's faithfulness in ways that I've never discovered if it wasn't. If it wasn't for some of my failure, I've never discovered some of the abundance of God's grace. If it wasn't for my failure in God's grace, it wouldn't have discovered the vulnerability that's necessary to experience freedom from the guilt and shame that is so easily found in our hearts when we blow it or we find ourselves not being the people of God that we want to be. So my first statement to us is, let's not forget the past. Let's not forget God's initiation and leading. Let's not forget... God's deliverance. Let's not forget God's provision. And let's not forget the Ebenezer that God has provided us with a rugged cross that has been provided through a Savior and an empty tomb. 
Look at what happens next because of that reality that finds ourselves. So he goes on to Joshua. Remember, Joshua becomes the leader. Moses is dead. And now they stand at that place of the promised land that, that had been given to them. And they're, they have been called to be strong and courageous in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. And while they're there, they're reminded that God will be faithful. And it's interesting that Joshua calls them to consecration. We, we read in, in, verse Joshua, in Joshua 3. Let me read verses 1 through 5 again. Because there's a new leader, there's a new change, there's a new territory. Joshua says this, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. They were standing there by the river and watching it because it was a time of harvest and the river was full and it looked again like the impossibility of the Red Sea. How are we going to get over that? And God I once said to them, I want you to sit here for three days. And the more they stared at, the more they discovered their own inadequacy, the more they feared the attempt to get over it. And God goes on and says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, and this is what they did. They gave orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Notice these words, since you have never seen this way before. That's what this new year looks like. We have no idea what this year will hold for us, which is why we need to remember what God has done in the past, because the uncertainty of the future is that place where we begin to be confident when we rely on the certainty of the past. The certainty of the past becomes the anchor of our soul to hold us as we move out into the uncertainty of the future. But the incredible thing about the uncertainty of the future is that it does something in our hearts because all of us are like that. All of us love, in a lower sense, that which is new. We have no idea what this future holds, but there's something new ahead of us. And there's a sense of newness that that moves our heart at times. But even greater than newness is that which is better. Because somehow we believe that while, yes, there is newness, there's also something that is better. And it is that which is better that begins to stimulate our hearts and stir us into the adventure of faith, into the dream that is oftentimes held by each and every one of us for something that is bigger and better and more beautiful. And we have to believe that because the more that we grow in our relationship with Christ, the more we discover his grace and his beauty and his virtue, and the reality of what he's prepared for us because he who has begun a good work in you will finish it. And the very workmanship that we are that God has made us, he's ordained us for good works that we should continue to follow in them. And so when he says here, we see the ark. When you see the ark, the presence of God, the ark was that place where the the angels oversaw the, the law and there was a place where God had once told Moses, meet me at the ark. The ark represented the presence of God. The ark represented the forgiveness of God. The ark represented all that God wanted the people to understand as he had entered into a covenant with them. 
And he says, giving orders, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Follow the ark. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And Joshua tells the people in verse five, consecrate yourselves. Today, set yourselves apart. Today, prepare to sanctify yourselves. Today, make that relationship with God preeminent in your life. Today, hide the word of God in your heart. Today, consecrate yourself through the word. Consecrate yourself through your relationships with one another. Make it sure, because today as you consecrate yourselves, tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. We have a promise from God that tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. And so as we think about the uncertainty of tomorrow, and I understand that there's, there's a certain element of fear about what tomorrow holds. As it was true of the Israelites as they were going into a land, do you remember the argument they got into? People said, there's giants in the land. But other people said, yeah, but there are grapes so big, you can't even pick one up. And they were in an argument like most people were, you know, kind of like the, the Baptists and the Pentecostals or something like that. You know, where people want to argue about how to do it. And they forget who's calling them, who's leading them. And so the beauty of it is that while we are, again, there, there are fearful things, there are unknown things, there are uncertain things about what 2023 holds for us, God calls us to consecrate ourselves to what we do know. And that's where the deliverance and the providence and the provisions and all that God has done for us. And so he says to them, whatever that is, Tomorrow, God. What's your dream for tomorrow? What's the adventure of faith that you believe that God has placed the seed in your heart to step out into for tomorrow? God is calling us to be dreamers. God is calling us to be vision casters. God is calling us to live a life that embraces all of the promises of God that are yea and amen for each and every one of us. God is calling us to live the victory that he's already provided for us in Christ. God is calling us to live in the boldness as Proverbs says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the fearful, they run when no one's even chasing them. God's called us to be the people of God to be like Christ. As Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, he says, I live by faith, but the life that I live, it's not I, but Christ. And the life that I live in faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you be so bold tomorrow to follow the ark? Would you be so brave today to consecrate yourself to that purpose, to that uncertain future, to that pathway, would we indeed say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall make your path straight. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. That's the path. He's not calling us to run. He's not calling us to cross, to crawl. He's calling us to walk by faith, believing in the God who has brought us this far 
to trust him for where he will bring us tomorrow. And Joshua says, you've never been this way before. But consecrate yourselves. Believe him. Live for him. Because I think the reality of, of what happens, and, and G. Campbell Morgan said this, he said, deliverance prophesies deliverance. Fan the flame, he delivered you, he'll do it again. Guidance predicts guidance. Supply promises supply. There is a river in front of us. Measure the river by the sea. If he could bring you through the Red Sea, can he not get you over the Jordan River? He divided that. He can divide this. There is an unknown land before us, measured the unknown land by the unknown wilderness. In the new country, there will be, we will be fed bread and water, but measured the hunger in the new land by the manna of the old. There's one thing you cannot doubt that you will never talk me out of is my experience of the past. I've been in places where in a real conservative Baptist seminary, they asked me how I came to faith and I told them a deep Pentecostal experience. They looked at me and wasn't quite sure I really came to Christ. But you'll never talk me out of it. I met Jesus in that moment. And the reality of what you have experienced in the past is God's gift to you so that as you live off the certainty of that and that promise, you consecrate yourselves for what God has in store for you for the unknown future that is yours. But one thing we know is because of the past, God will go with you. God will provide for you. God will lead you. And God will give you the very thing that you need to fulfill the very promise that he's given to each and every one of us. And that is why we say Happy New Year. And that is why we live in the beauty of what this thing called Christianity is. Sometimes we never know God's goodness without our own failure. And so as I think for you, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your past looks like. But I want you to think about it and put a marker down. As the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, as Eric said, Joshua said, go get some stones and make a pile of stones. And may those stones be an Ebenezer. May those stones be a memorial for you so that when you look back, you remember what God has done. That's the beauty of leaving the past behind with a consecration towards the future, knowing that we will be led by the word and by the spirit and by the plan of God for our lives. And we approach the new year with incredible jubilation because I don't know about you, but if God does anything in the future like he's done in the past, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He's a good God. I don't understand it all, but he's a good God. And his desire for you and for me is to be a part of a family of God whereby one day we will experience no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears and the full restoration of the earth and all that God had created out of the tohu wabohu, out of the chaos of Genesis chapter one, we might begin to live in the full restoration of the kingdom because God has a plan and a promise for us to be a part of it. So notice he thinks of all these things. And I, and I love this reality of, of Joshua telling the people, 
consecrate yourself. That's the only thing that we need to do today is make ourselves available to God for tomorrow. To say, God, I'm yours. And I want you to have me. And I trust you. Because I didn't get here on my own this morning. If it had not been for your grace and your goodness, only you'd know where I'd be. Because of your grace and goodness, and because of your deliverance and your provision and your leading, I can look forward to the future with excitement, with joy, with the opportunity to do great and wonderful things. Because you'll walk with me. So it's not just Happy New Year, it's Blessed New Year. It's an opportunity for us to be a part of something brand new that God wants to do. And by the way, if God wants to return this year, none of us would be displeased. So the reality of looking back at the certainty of what God has provided gives us strength to look forward for the uncertainty of the future. But we also can live it with adventure, with faith, with the promise of who God is to be the people of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, as we think about this life that you've called us to, we make a commitment this morning to consecrate ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. For those of you who are followers of Christ, would you give yourself, would you renew your commitment to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you do in my heart and my life this year, may I be available, I consecrate myself to you. If you don't know Jesus and you're just a churchgoer and you're here maybe as a guest or maybe you've been to church for a long time because that's the right thing to do, my prayer for you is that you would, in the quiet of your heart, consecrate yourself to Jesus. Say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you begin to take over, to lead me, to guide me, forgive me of my sin and renew me to the new life? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a love for your word. Teach me. And for all of us, we come to the communion table. It's a marker. It's like the Ebenezer. It's like Moses telling them all that had happened. We come to the communion table because we want to remember. We want to remember what Jesus has done. It is his victory that is our victory. It is his death, burial, and resurrection that is ours in baptism. It is his forgiveness spoken of as he hangs on the cross that is our forgiveness that sets us free from the guilt and shame that is so often our experience because of our failure. And so this morning we want to take communion together that we might remember this communion as we begin this new year And we remember his body broken. And we remember his blood shed. You know, there's an old poem by Robert Frost. It's uh, something called Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening. But the last lines are really interesting because it's about us. He says, the woods are lovely, dark, and deep. 
sounds like life. And then he goes on to say that, but I have promises to keep. Sounds like our relationship with God. And then he ends the poem by saying, and I have miles to go before I sleep. I have miles to go before I sleep. Jesus said nobody knows the time or the hour of his return except the Father. But we do know what we can do along the way while we wait is to consecrate ourselves and to live in the confidence of what God has already done for each and every one of us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Live in the confidence of what he's done and live in the adventure of what he's calling us to do because God's going to do great things. And what a joy it is and a privilege it is to be the church and to be a part of what God wants to do. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this encourages you to dive deeper into your relationship with God through prayer, scripture, worship, and community. We hope you can join us on Sunday mornings at 930. For more information, go to sisterschurch.com. Be blessed, friends.